Hi everybody and welcome to the next episode of the Biodiversity Podcast by Teasels and today as you can probably see and probably hear we are outside and we're meeting the guys from Wild City Studio. Alright gents, how are we? Good, good. Yeah, good to meet you. Welcome to our humble abode. I know, I feel, I feel honoured to be here. Gritty and industrial. As, that's the way we like it. <laughs> uh, lads, so can, uh, can you just give us, uh, before we get into the, the, uh, the meet, and, uh, meet and drink of this podcast, just want to give us a bit of a background on yourselves and, and basically how you came to be Wild City Studio, basically, how well, we come here today. How long have you got, Dan? How long have you got? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, this is the short form of it. So yeah. I'm John Davis, and this is Steve, and we're Wild City Studios. Uh, we're urban landscape designers uh, who focus on nature and community connections in the city. Um, the backstory of it all, I guess, is that uh, I've been the gardener for uh, 15 plus years now. Um, I now have a, a, a very cool company called Golden Wild, which is a community of gardeners uh, who are about conscious creativity and looking at trying to garden in a, in a more innovative, cooler way. Um, met Steve at Hampton Court Palace in 2017 when I did a garden down there, um, uh, which, which was an urban food forest, uh, which was really, really fun. Steve was working on another garden uh, and we instantly connected. <laughs> The bromance began. And, um, I was going to say, that sounds really romantic. It was. It was, it was beautiful. Our, our eyes met. Um, and, and, uh, and it's been, what's that, five years plus? Of Maybe six years. Six, six years of, uh, of journeying. I think it was like that kind of moment where like, we didn't really maybe connect with that many people who were kind of go to these shows, certainly not the audience. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, oh, and maybe some of the designers as well. <laughs> a little bit of glimmer in the eye, like, oh, here's, here's one of me. And then, uh, yeah. I think John said, like, oh, maybe we could do some stuff together in the future. And like, like yeah, yeah, cool. And then yeah. you think nothing of it. And yeah. then, yeah, we started chatting a bit more, did a few projects together. So my background's in, um, like, I guess my beginnings was in art, photographic art, where I, I spent a lot of time, like, well, probably a misspent youth in abandoned spaces, neglected spaces. And I, eventually I started... That sounds like an excellent youth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe not it's misspent the correct, now. It's the correct youth. Um, yeah. I spent a lot of time... Eventually, sort of, I saw the beauty in these spots and I was photographing them and I started then creating artwork about that and questioning human, humanity's place in the natural world and are we, are we natural? Is the urban landscape natural? That was a lot of what my artwork was about. Focusing on these abandoned spots, mm. I eventually sort of got out of the art world. It wasn't really for me. And th these sort of ideas, I thought, maybe a little bit bigger than just hanging a picture on a wall like I, I, yeah. I felt like I wanted to do something a little bit more hands-on um, then sort of drifted through my 20s doing all sorts of different things eventually uh, yeah in my late 20s 28 I, I was cutting my grandmother's hedge one day and so, <laughs> and, uh, somebody walked down the road and said you do this professionally and I didn't at the time I was unemployed at the time and I just said yes and eventually I was doing everyone's hedge everyone's lawn Nice, yeah. And then I thought, I probably need to know a bit, if I'm going to call myself a gardener, I need to know a bit about plants. So I then went into horticulture, retraining horticulture. And that sort of like caught me, I guess. Mm. And like, I, I, I loved it. And it sort of opened up the whole industry of like landscaping, design. I instantly connected my creative background with that sort of design. And, and I loved sort of building stuff. So it seemed like a perfect fit. I was outside being physical all day. It was cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, then I moved to Bristol. Then I'd focus on garden design specifically, and that was my kind of epiphany moment, and it paired with me and John, 
where I saw a lot of other designers looking at the wild for inspiration. And I was always thinking when I was learning horticulture, like I'm not, I don't really connect with these, this kind of planting, these blousy plants and pretty sort of color combinations. And I thought, why can't I create this wild spot yeah, yeah, or this yeah. forest in a garden? And I yeah. couldn't really get the answer to that. And I guess that's been the journey the kind of we've been on together of like, how do you get that more authentic wildness? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, being really inspired by loads of pioneering plantsmen yeah, yeah. who are around at the moment. Um, it's funny as well, because that, that thing of starting as a gardener rather than like as a garden designer, we both had that. Obviously, the Golden Wild crew are about that as well. And, and I think there's, there's a slight difference in that, where you've come from and, and that kind of like real roots level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, you know, starting off doing really really crap stuff you know what I mean? and, every, and grinding through yeah but that, i i think that's every how can i put this i think it's a more meaningful journey because yeah. you can start up here yeah and you can do a you know a seven week garden design course online yeah and there's just no there's no connect well there's no connection to your product yeah. to what the, yeah. the stuff that you are using yeah so yeah but there's instinctual things you learn along the way in that way as well, right? You know, you're, I mean, observe, you're, you're, observing. you're observing in a different way, unconsciously. Yes. Um, you, you feel it. You feel it. Do you know what I mean? When, so you've had other people that have been super trained and they, they come in on a certain level. They haven't got that instinctual feeling. And yeah. that's what's cool as well, that, that designers come to work with us now, like to get that experience on the ground. And you can really tell the difference between the ones who really take that seriously and really connect with that. Yeah. And really get that that's very important um it's funny because we're just talk, talking on that level so after doing Hampton court show and best garden for a changing world gold gold medal on tv all of that kind of like show business oh, is that, oh, that the one where you were with uh, the hairy bikers? hairy bikers you know they cooked some food and we had all, and you then look like twins back. in that shot yeah it? <laughs> sorry yeah <laughs> hey he's a very handsome man uh, and then, and then uh, yeah coming back to like normal work after that and then being back out like weeding some old granny's <laughs> driveway and be like what's happened like why have I not blown up you know what I mean? but, and, uh, and so that was quite an interesting journey but I think as well it does it, ke it keeps you super humble yeah. and and, uh, and things take time to be done well you know what I mean so rather than an overnight sensation you know what I mean it's even from that point there at Hampton Court like it's taken us this amount of time to get to where we are right now yeah but how many garden designers do you see have gone through the Chelsea thing and they yeah. You know, they, they were in best in show and they're the best thing since sliced bread. And at the end of the day, you guys are, well, we all are, we're running day-to-day -day businesses, yeah. aren't we? Yeah. We're sort of, yeah. you've got to, yeah. you, that's still got to continue, yeah. hasn't it? And it's a, it's a bigger thing, is it? It's a bigger picture thing as well for us, is that we're trying to do something, not just about that garden on the, the telly or this and that. This, this is a movement yes. that's about everybody coming together who's on a similar page and i think that's what we were saying at the beginning as well is when we when we met each other at that Hampton thing it was like i was looking across and being like oh he's like me and there was hardly anyone else like that yeah. and i had like a band of like rough diamonds working with at the time who didn't really get the vibe and we were yeah. kind of you know we we're just in this whole thing of food forestry and permaculture being cool and now over this period of time we're just getting connected with more and more people who are on the same wavelength, isn't it? I think it's that accessibility you're touching on, like the designers. You see a lot of designers, Chelsea, and, and I think it just goes with the territory that they seem almost untouchable a little bit. And, and yeah, I think yeah, It's a blessing and a curse, really, that we've come from kind of the grassroots level. Because, like, you, I do anyway, like, get bogged down in, like, what's going to work, what isn't. 
and like you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, some designers seem a lot more free because they're just like, I'm going to do this amazing design, and not really think about some of the nuts and bolts. But I think that the relatability, I think that's maybe what we're really passionate about is is about chatting to people on a on a level and just and and, and making it really. That's what I love about like John Little is great because yeah. he, he's just really personable. He's really yeah. open. And I think that, that's super genuine. Yeah, just a genuine kind of, it's, yeah, it's, look at what I'm doing. Um, and it's, it feels tangible. It's yeah. not like something that I don't know how they've done that or, or, or <laughs> what, what's the reality behind that? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What's not worked, what has worked. Um, and that's the, that's the thing that needs to get, the, the, there needs to be more in the conversation about this real openness about trial and error. Exactly. Like, we did this, it fell on its ass. Yeah. But we looked back and we saw the, like, yeah, was, you know, John was saying um, how he tried, um, where was it? The Wildlife Trust Garden just down the road from, yeah. from his uh, from hill drop. Is it a car park? Yeah, and how he put some substrate straight on the, the hog in, and then basically it wicked up all the water, which meant all the Mediterranean, Mediterranean plants died. And he's like, yeah, well, yeah. not going to do that again, are yeah. we? Yeah. And that's that, that connectivity, yeah. that authenticity. Yeah. Um, and but it's also being being kind of willing to give things a go like that yeah and and just being being quite ballsy about it with an open heart and being like i'm just trying this stuff you know what i mean i don't have all the answers but i'm going for it and, I've, and you know that's why i love what john little's done like in his own place is is just experimented very freely very openly very passionately and come up with something quite incredible and artistically you know it, it moves the in my opinion i want to hear what what you've guys think it moves the creative process on a lot quicker because yeah. you know when it's taking isn't it well this is the thing when you're talking you know literally when you're talking about chelsea my head was just like yeah i can just see the uh, the frothy uh cow parsley i can see the irises you know you can just yeah. Yeah. same old yeah. same old stuff yeah. And shit, we've got a lot of cow passing in our garden. I bet you have. Well, you need to, <laughs> you need to, you need to, you need to have a game. Take the car, cow passing out. I lost my train of thought now, John. Thanks. Yeah, for that, just mate. The, yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea, the, the standard stuff you see. Yeah, and I, I yeah. and and I mean, what do you think? Because I, to me, it, this is the the next iteration of the fluffy yeah. Pieta Aldorf. Yeah, you yeah. know if I'm saying that right. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, and it, it feels. It, I mean, we're very lucky, I think, that Project Giving Back, a big shout out to them as well. They're the sponsors that are creating a lot of gardens at Chelsea, which I think would not be there unless they were able to sponsor them. Yeah, yeah. And I think at the moment, that's a massive John, you, change. Before we go any further, do you just want to give a, before we go back to the, yeah. your specific garden, uh, do you want to give a, a bit of a background on Project Giving Back? Because yeah. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure some people are watching this. Yeah. Yep. know all about it they probably yep. follow what you guys are doing yep. but just give us a bit of background on the project giving back so yeah project giving back are um uh, are our sponsors at chelsea and they, they they i think they're sponsoring 40 gardens um and they're philanthropists um uh, i don't think we know who who the actual yeah, don't know. So unnamed unnamed philanthropists the illuminati is it? <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, and, and so they're um yeah they, they're a, they, you go through a certain process it's a little bit like x factor in it and you have to go through these kind of stages and, and present in a certain way. But yeah, you get, you get the opportunity to do uh, some really cool things. And the garden we've been trying to design, we've been working on for, like trying to get it for a, for a good few years. Met. Yeah, it was like last six years. And we, we were accepted twice by the RHS with this very similar design, very similar ideas, perhaps not as evolved. 
um, but we just couldn't get the funding. Yeah. And so to be in this kind of opportunity where they are able to fund and to, to fund other gardens and to fund other charities, so they, you have to be with the charity, nice. which is so, and, and yeah, so charity. and it's all about the platform for the charity fundamentally. Although us big egos jump on that and take take as much advantage as we can, um, and uh, and yeah, so so they're doing amazing things. They've been doing it. They started last year, didn't they? Um, and they're doing this year, and they're doing next year, and potentially it's going to be a little bit more as well. Um, and nice. uh, I think they're really freshening up. Chelsea because the the standard sponsors of M&G and investment bankers and B&Q and people like that yeah, yeah. you're going to get a certain kind of grade of garden being designed for that kind of sponsor so I've just gone to sleep as you were saying that I find that kind of pretty boring yeah, yeah like yeah exactly. what's the uh, the champagne company like, like yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. 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 and um and so yeah so being about the charity and being about really creative gardens has given a lot of opportunity to <clears throat> to some really cool designs and, and we've seen some of the designs that are at Chelsea this year and they are cool and, they're, and they're, they are different and like you're saying there's, a, there's definitely a, a big difference between um, the kind of the, 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 the people's choice let's say of, of, of some of the things you see at Chelsea yeah, yeah. compared to some of the stuff that's now going on at Chelsea and that's it's an interesting conversation we have isn't it about um, what the people want at yes. Chelsea compared to what the designers or maybe the other wavelength yeah, want yeah. to see at Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The people on the ground at Chelsea who come to Chelsea might not necessarily want to see the kind of thing we're doing. I mean, they, that, you know, the People's Choice last year was the most traditional of all of the gardens. But people don't know what they don't know. Like people like, say, Ooh, bloody rubble, what's yeah. this? But if yeah. you were to say, you know, well, rubble's great for X, Y, yeah. and Z reasons, yeah. then it's like, yeah. oh yeah. yeah. You know. I think that's what's important. Like I think that's what I've always seen a show garden opportunity as being about challenging the status quo yeah. not breaking the mold that's not what it's all about like, so, and a lot of people who go to these shows want to see more of your traditional garden and i think i was always just taught that like that like, chelsea's more like the, the high-end catwalk you know you get yeah, the yeah. trickle down eventually what's really cool about project giving back is and like yeah we, we chat about this all the time but like, when, when we when we went on this journey to begin with we had this idea seed of this idea and we we thought probably our egos flaring as well, that we're going to be quite punk about it. Yeah. We're going to break the mould, we're going to shake up the system. But we couldn't get the funding, so we, you know, we couldn't get there. But it's so yeah, Project Giving Back are, um, uh, are our sponsors at Chelsea, and they, 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 I think they're sponsoring 40 gardens, um, and they're philanthropists. Um, uh, I don't think we know who, who the actual... Yeah, don't know. So unnamed. Unnamed philanthropists. the Illuminati. Is yeah. It? <laughs> So they're um, yeah they're, they're, a, they're you go through a certain process is a little bit like X Factor in it and you have to go through <laughs> these kind of stages and and present in a certain way but yeah you get you get the opportunity to do uh, some really cool things and the garden we've been trying to design is we've been working on for like trying to get it for a, for Since a good few met. years yeah no, it was like last six years and we we were accepted twice by the RHS with this very similar design very similar ideas perhaps not as evolved. Um, but we just couldn't get the funding. Yeah. And so to be in this kind of opportunity where they are able to fund and to, to fund other gardens and to fund other charities. So they, you have to be with the charity. Nice. Which is so, and, and yeah, so, separate charity. And it's all about the platform for the charity fundamentally, although us big egos jump on that and take, take as much advantage as we can. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so... It's interesting now that like we've been on this journey and obviously a lot of people have been as well. So, you know, we're only maybe one of three, if not more, that are celebrating this idea of growing in we're celebrating the idea of, of disused spaces, waste, growing yeah, things yeah. out of this really harsh substrates to create really resilient schemes. Um, 
So yeah, we're part of this movement now, which is really exciting, I think, and yeah. Project Giving Back's probably given people the platform for that. I think it's that, kind of, you know, I always like to relate things to the music industry because I kind of feel that in that way. But it feels... Sorry, do you like music, John? I don't know, <laughs> I, I, haven't, I haven't seen that. I thought, a little bit of Bob, one or two, but, but it's that kind of feeling, right? So you've got like, as an analogy of that kind of like John Little scene of being this kind of like punky thing that's going yeah. on and, and, a, and a growing kind of surrounded about that. I think the same with the permaculture industry, you know, these, these little movements are happening and then Chelsea's the mainstream and then we're able to kind of like highlight that little kind of section yeah. into the mainstream so that it becomes the norm as, as much, or like filters down, like you say, the hierarchy. But it was only three years ago when you had the first Beth Symposium. Yeah. Um, and then what, last, last year, John got up and said, well, I'm no longer the Novelty Act. Yeah. So how quickly yeah. the, I mean, it's, it's standard, isn't it? How Definitely. quickly the, uh, how quickly the, the Novelty Act or the, the, you know, the stuff on the periphery comes into the into, into the mainstream I've, my little stories were at hampton when we were doing it we did the urban food forestry and that was 2017 so it was kind of like back back in a different kind of world then and um and and uh we had some kind of strange kind of peerings in by the the standard and one lady shouted out this is weird <laughs> and i was like yes that Success. is the one so it's gonna be interesting to see uh now this is weird. <laughs> at the show this year because there's, you know, Tom Massey's doing some quite similar kind of stuff, isn't he? Cleve West doing some similar things. A bit Harris, Harris Bugger kind of going down that route as well. And it's, it's going to be interesting now that it's kind of almost yeah. across the board to then, see that kind of reaction. And also it? different approaches to it. So it's like John Little's got his look in his garden. Yeah. But then it's how, how do you manipulate these into different situations? It's not just one look. That's also interesting about, you know, the naturalistic planting movement. It's like, well, in the beginning, it was like, well, it, it all looks the same. But then if people start mixing it up doing different methods of doing it um so that's quite exciting it's like what what's what are different people's interpretations and, and that takes it one step things. further doesn't it that, yeah. that it's kind of like if we've got these big challenges of how to create naturalistic um different versions of immersive naturalistic um future yeah, you know, yeah. like in the urban it's not just one way of doing it. It's not just our way of doing it. It's not just John Little's way of doing it. It's not Nigel Dunnick's way of doing it or any of those, the bigger guys, you know what I mean? It's, it, it's different versions for different reasons yeah, yeah. across the city because the city is very diverse. And the context, and different contexts. Different contexts all the way through. Yes. So that's, that's what's cool as well. It's about creating that community where everybody's kind of got the similar kind of idea, but we all do it in our own way. And, and again, that's pretty cool, isn't it? I know, because I know it's sort of nuts and bolts, but I, I often think that, um, you know, I've been working with some clients recently and they, they took them down to see John's place and they loved it. But they were like, yeah, we love it, but we don't want loads of rubble outside the front door. And I was like, yes, you do, because it would be brilliant. But it's like, <laughs> so I, I often think that the kind of, what I want to play around with is have all the rubble, have all the sand underneath, but then have that site specific. Yeah. Say for it like Cambridge. Yeah. So Cambridge has yeah. like the Cambridge white brick from yeah. the Cambridge clay. So you could sort of grind that up on site and have that as a sort of site-specific. Yeah. I don't want to use it as a mulch, but like a, a, yeah. a covering. Makes you know, sense. Just to make it yeah. semi-relevant to the surroundings. Yeah, so exactly. I, yeah. Same, you know, you see those kind of places like Cold Drops, uh, the development down there and different places like that where you know done it and, 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 and uh, different people have done it in a different way. And, yeah. And, it's, and yeah, use, use the same kind of principles in a way, but just 
it's all to context, isn't Just it? The, the, the fundamental of low nutrient substrates. It's, I guess that's the that's the movement. Yeah. I, I guess. So is it? So 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 it is the movement, but but I guess it's not losing sight of. You know, we talk about biodiversity, but we also need to be thinking about like resource use. Yeah. Like we keep need to keep on, keep on, keep on recycling this yeah. closed loop of, yeah. you know, what we're actually doing here. Yeah. We're not, yeah. you know, not yeah. to lose. I mean, I say I'm saying that to myself, not to lose yeah, sight man. of big time. And that's been something we've been lucky enough to journey with, isn't it? On, on some of the projects we're working on. Has Alexis got something to say about recycling? <laughs> he may well do. We'll get him in. He can do like a finish of the whole thing, you know, just a. <laughs> Hi guys, just to remind <laughs> you all to separate your waste. But that's the, next, that's the next step on, isn't it? It's, that it's like, okay, it's low nutrient. That's what we're getting from looking at these motorway verges or brownfields. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's the low nutrients. Then it's another step of like, we'll actually won't just use that the same stuff they grow the waste. So like that that's the that's the next stage on. But it's not like it's not not a new. Idea. It's like basically a gravel garden. That's not a new idea. Yeah, yeah. it's best chat is gravel you garden. Know, in, in, um, <laughs> uh, just yeah, I mean, I've, we've I've had like about three or four podcasts where we just say yeah. So wasn't Beth Chatter doing this like yeah, about 40 years did. ago? Just because she, you know, wasn't... That's the thing, it plants for place, isn't it? it doesn't... Yeah. But what's kind of, the other thing of the low nutrients, and this was like the epiphany moment for me, uh, when I see uh, John, John and Fee, because um, Fee obviously takes care of all the, uh, the veg and stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and I love food forestry, and I love the kind of permaculture, and that obviously needs good soil, so it's, not, it's the complete opposite to that. But they were saying how they strip the soil, the topsoil, and that goes to food production. Yeah, so again, yeah. it's all on site. That really works well for our kind of connection again because it's more like the, the balance of low nutrients, strip the soil, contours and topography of the soil at yes, the back, yes, which yes. I love as well. Food forestry there. And it's this and this this kind of words getting into the vernacular, just thinking about topography, yeah. thinking about north, south, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like yeah. moisture retention, exactly. stress, Hugel all this culture, stuff. you know what I mean? That's a fun so thing. What, what, what? Hugel culture. So that was what the, we did with the Hampton Garden, but it's a, old school techniques but that's a very big permaculture thing so it's you basically like layer up logs and and green waste yes, in a certain yes, way yes. and then you you put the soil over the top and it creates like a kind of internal yes, yes, yes. Um, irrigation system almost yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and also amazing habitat layers underneath. yeah yeah um, but you so know basically we're going back to what people have been doing for thousands yeah, of years again and not new ideas no, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, taking like, ourselves but it's putting into like a modern a, a modern context, context yeah. and and putting that and again, it's putting everyone's own signature on it, isn't it? And it's that brand, it's the branding. So like we, when we first met, this was our kind of collision of like, uh, John introduced me to permaculture, food forestry, edibles. I was very interested in the observation of, of, the, of the, these wilder spots in the city, the beauty in the banal, I suppose. And then we'd come together on that and then seen all of these other people doing this stuff. And we could see the direct correlation of this because they don't really, as John was just saying, they don't really necessarily meet. But we've seen how these two things can meet together. But what, was, what I found interesting about what John introduced me to, that I, all the branding of that, and even like eco stuff, and the whole branding of it mm. is it's very fringe, almost hippie-ish. Yeah, so yeah, it yeah. Doesn't, it, I mean, it's been going around. Seventies at least, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, like I think it was almost that that group that group of people kind of lo- almost like it to be fringe in a way. I, I think if it's their thing. But I think the whole thing is we need to make all this mainstream. I guess those things like Chelsea Flower Show making this all legitimate. Yeah, and we're really about like modernising that, updating the branding of it. So it's it's just cool and engaging. And then I think so as you, as you're talking, you think about the branding. You think about what Wild Farm are doing. And again, I mean, again, that's on a larger agricultural scale yeah. 
But again, you know, obviously with uh, Andy Cato's background and his media background, how they're, you know, how they're not making soil health sexy, but it's, you know, it's, it's this, just bringing this, it to the fore, isn't it? Yeah, and, and this and is the, the kind of thing as well, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, it's a message. And that's the thing, the urban environment, as we kind of like shout about, in terms of, you know, it can definitely be greener, but it's actually not too bad a place in terms of like the wildness that is here. Yeah. But we say it's a kind of, it's, I think um, one of the old permaculture legends said it at one point, how smaller gardens or <clears throat> in the urban space is almost like a playground of, of ideas. Yes. So you can experiment with these ideas in yes. the urban and then it ripples out into the culture. You know what I mean? And, and, and that idea of really and truly, it's the, it's, it's the, uh, the rural areas that really need what, you know, that's where the serious messages need to be had. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like our little part to play in it all of our little parts playing it in the urban is to kind of create that mentality. Yeah, yeah. So that then it can ripple out to the agricultural world and all of that side of it, you know? I think it's this idea we, we sort of talk about a bit at the moment, play with this. If we see ourselves as, as natural, which we are, which I think quite a lot of people see this divide of human and nature, and it's just Which not, is just, just mental, nonsense. isn't it? Uh, but if, you, if we see ourselves as part of it, then the city is, you know, some of the wildest places there are. If you if you include things like music, culture, yeah. the heritage of the city, and I think there's a lot of this idea. Of However it, uncomfortable that is for certain people, and the the the, the, the diversity in that in all its forms, yeah. they're uncomfortable. But yeah, well, to people point. like want to go back to, or green everything up, and you can't you can't do that. Things exist, but I think there's a beauty and an opportunity in the urban to create these platforms and a forum where you can have these really great experience, nature-centered experience, if we realign with it, which then, yeah, as John's saying, starts getting people to think about what it is. That's what a city should be, I think, a, a, a melting pot of people discussing ideas, which yes. then, then they start rippling out on a much bigger scale. I've mm. always had this thing of, like, the idea of, like, people control things because they don't know about it. They, they, mm. It comes from a place of fear, you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. So, without that knowledge of how ecology works and, and, and planting communities and things like that, <clears throat> people control and create static environments. Yeah. And that's like, you see that, you know, with a lot of our clients at Golden Wild, across the board, like we've had to change that mentality even in the, in the domestic business, right? How places are kind of static and clean and held. But if you know how to understand ecology and urban ecology, and there's such resilience across yeah, yeah, yeah. wild plants, you know, weeds, working with that rather than, than holding it down because the problem is I, I often think now like working with clients is they're not they're not you're not actually how can I put this you're not actually buying a you're not actually buying a garden in a way you're buying into a process like you know there you go there's a load of money there's the garden just we'll just keep it still for the next 20 years so you know we've got our product but yeah. it's more like yeah. no 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 you're buying into process what you're buying on day one what comes off in the seed pack here or on the back of a wholesale plant, you know. Exactly, plant. exactly. It's gonna be like that in five years. Exactly, and, and that boils down to the truth of it all, which we've kind of spoken about a lot, is, is it's all about the maintenance and the aftercare to whatever we do. Yeah. And that's the design process. It has to be about how is this gonna get looked after. Yeah. And it's fundamentally the thing that's most missed. And you know, it's starting to change, you know, but we have to design to how it's gonna be looked after. <clears throat> and there's so many different ways that can be. And again, that boils down to the kind of context of the site, context of the budget, you know, so... Can, so I, ask, can I ask, and, I, and I'm sorry if you, people have listened to all these podcasts, I ask the same question every single podcast, but when you're talking with clients, do you say, okay, how much money do you got to spend on, your, uh, on the maintenance? Don't, don't give a monkeys about, you know, 
you know, you can give me 50 grand for the garden. How much, once, you know, once everybody's cleared off and the last brick's yeah. been laid, do you, are you forward and say, look, have you got, how much money do you have you got to spend on, on the maintenance? Yeah, I mean, we have different processes, don't we? Mine's more design and build, and we also have the maintenance team that come in after, and, and I just have that conversation, and I can kind of work out almost from the process and where they live. I'm quite lucky because on that side of business, it's quite affluent, you know what I mean? It runs from East London kind of trendies to Hampstead and Islington. Yeah. So there's a certain kind of grade that I know they're going to be able to work with. And so yeah. certain things are done in a certain way uh, to, to meet that need. But you know, what we're passionate about with Wild City Studio is the public side of it. And, and, like, and, and what we're doing with Centre for Mental Health is this whole idea of nature should be accessible to everybody and it's to places like Tottenham where we are now where they haven't got the council haven't got the budgets to meet the, these kind of needs yeah. so how do you do it affordably yeah. how do you create a maintenance system that works within that with, within that level and for me actually what I'm really kind of getting kicks from the design side of it I really enjoy but I'm more of a kind of I look at something and see it where Steve's like really cool at the the, the you know getting the details down the designs yeah I see the overall picture and then we work together on that but what really I'm excited about is designing those kind of processes so it's designing the aftercare of a community volunteer group and and a support network for that on a large-scale kind of innovative scheme yeah, you know, yeah, yeah working yeah. with the different kind of stakeholders or the, the friends of groups and things like that yeah, and, yeah. That for me is very interesting to listen to all the voices and to see how this plays out long term. And there's a few things we're engaged with at the moment, which are you've got so many people's opinions and so many people who want in. And how is it going to be done right for everybody to, to, be, to like it? But then also, how is it going to be there in five years time? How is it going to be there in 10 years time? What's it going to look like? The succession of that place, yeah, especially yeah. when you work on this wildness. Yeah, it's these new ideas that the, the biggest challenge. I have a different experience to John in my personal practice where I've got a few problems now with like I'm, I'm engaging people with all these amazing ideas and principles but then there aren't really that many people around who know how to maintain or look after those who aren't maybe a little bit too traditional or, or would want to take it in a different way yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, my favorite jobs are maybe the smaller urban gardens where it's actually the clients who are going to be looking after that it's much easier and I've had great experience with two, two gardens especially where I believe like the, the human and nature uh, synergy comes from how you design the hard landscaping. Very simply, that's, uh, that was my original passion, I yeah. guess, the hard landscaping. I see that more as the canvas. That should be the passive, but the permanent part of the design. That that's the canvas that allows the rest of the planting to just go mental if yes. you want it to. That gives you the legibility to it. It's not just if you wild up your garden and it just becomes a perceived mess. You can't go out into it. It feels like it's messy. It feels like we've neglected it. But if you've got something designed that human. stays permanent, yeah. that could be a boulder, that could be a bit of paving, that could be something... But that human-centric yeah. uh, landscaping material so people can think, like, no, this is a... Legible. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. the rest and of the... it's very planting, human, isn't it? Very human. Yeah, I think people are drawn to that. They need, to, they need some sort of a way to understand something across the board. I think yeah. that, that's generally the same. Yeah. It can look different, but it's generally the same. Um, but then, yeah, I've, I've just let these, I've, I've done the initial planting design, but then I'll let self-seeders come in, I'll let it all go. Mm. And then it's really, I really love talking to the client about that, about, well, actually, this is yours to just steward. 
And they, 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 they'll, they'll talk to me like really scared of like, well, I don't want things to die. It's like you wouldn't, you go a long way to kill any of this. Like, you know, stronger than you think it is. You can walk all over, do whatever you want. If it flops across the path, like people say, is this all right to cut back now, Steve? It's like, well, what do you think? Is it in the way? They're like, yeah, cut it back then. Yeah. Then I'll go back, I'll go back to these gardens and then I'll talk to them and they'll, they'll be really worried and just say, I'm not sure if you're doing this right. The shoulders Steve. are and up I, here. And, I, and I'll walk out there and it's, amazing yeah. I said what's the and it's like, oh, I wasn't sure does it look good like, yeah you've nailed it then and it's, it's as simple as that but that's but the it, process but it's isn't not, it it's not that common and that, that, those opportunities in the small urban gardens but going back to the public space where you've got councils who are maybe going to be doing the brunt of the work and the councils aren't trained in any of it's not like it's even that much more complex it's just a different system yeah, yeah. and then yeah how, how we change that approach and the, the respect to maintenance people the the upgrading or the changing evolving of a maintenance team yeah um to look after these spots in public spaces that's what you know we, we've learned and, that, and that's the thing giving all of these ideas over to like and then we we realize well if no one's maintaining it that's the biggest challenge because yeah, if yeah. it goes to shit that, that doesn't do the movement any good. Yeah, people yeah. just go back to what they were doing before. And, and that's the thing in terms of, you know, as I say, we, we have our own business that has maintenance as a part of it, and we're almost kind of doing ourselves out of, out of business by promoting it. But the whole idea is about stewardship like, mm. and, and about the client or the community taking complete ownership of it and then, and then professionals just backing that up. Yes. And that, I think, is a part of that design, design flow, you know what I mean? So it's like, how can we create this that the client can engage in this, like Steve's talking about, those kind of techniques that, that you have that balance in the garden already at play and then it's down to them to get involved. And then how do you create this backup from the professionals to come in? Because you want to be, open up this whole world to, to the client or the community, you know, and, and it, that be their own journey, you know what I mean? So you were saying, John, about, uh, you know, the, the design process, not just all about the garden, but you're yeah. designing in the, the maintenance management model as well. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I think that's it. It's not just about making pretty gardens and, and aesthetically pleasing spaces. It's nice and, and, it, and it helps people get engaged. But really, I think our duty, like as we move forward with designing, is to create spaces. That's the word duty. I like that. Yeah, it, it's to create spaces that the clients or the community can have agency over that journey themselves yeah. and to create a process that they can explore their own connections with the land um, and eventually you know, start to design and, and evolve that design themselves. Um, and I, I think that's what people are really sort of clamoring for. They might not necessarily know that that nature connection is what they're missing, but I think people People definitely have this. Oh, we were working with Centre for Mental Health on this garden, and we fundamentally believe that that is the nature connection and mental health are, are linked, like quite clearly. And I've, I've experienced that in my own life. It's like, but it's, it's got to be a bit deeper than just walking through a park with some trees in it. There's got to be a much more of a deeper relationship that we've come from, yes. and now we've been completely disconnected from. But I think horticulture, generally, even though you know it's done, you know, kind of caught us and saved us, and we really reap the benefits of everything that such a lovely industry but there's definitely like people people are bypassing it i think where's the roots from school or how is it not even taught in school this connection yes. so like growing things and it's like it, it's not really even an option um and i think yeah people get to a little bit later that's why i think people gravitate to horticulture a bit later in their life but certainly as we've done you often hear these stories well, i used to be a musician or i used to be an artist and then they found this creative Hmm. sort of ability within the, this industry but I think a lot of people yeah get more into like this idea of 
nature connection and bypass horticulture completely. And so I think, I think people can get into permaculture and land stewardship a bit easier, but it be, still becomes fringed and it's not like the mainstream horticultural world. I think the yeah. horticulture as well, like we've, we've said this before and, and you know, we love horticulture, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it has saved us and it's an, it's an amazing journey you go on in that world, but it can feel, I, certain words like, I don't know, empirical, like there's almost like a colonial type a kind of feel to it, elitist, where you're naming things in a certain way and if you don't know those names, then you, you feel less of a, of a person, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Someone can walk in and say the Latin of a name and suddenly they've got more power than someone who doesn't. And even the kind of common name or the name that is known by the people of that area might feel lesser than the Latin name. Um, yeah, but I've, se I've seen that. I mean, having taught at Capel Manor, at the end of the day, like, you know, I used to teach, you know, people that were doing appren apprenticeships with Bowsenden Council in the same class as, you know, Q, Q students. You can chuck all the Latin names all you want, but it's, it's got to be more behind it as well, isn't there? 100%. You know, like... There's nothing wrong with it, I think. No. You know what I mean? The Latin, how I see it is you've got to have something more going on and then that opens up the door. Once you, once you are passionate, Yes. Then you get, then you get into that. But this is so what's the passion behind. Just the, I'm just going to name label. Just going to label everything. Yeah, the yeah. Like, oh, that's interesting. And, and also, the Latin names are pretty cool. Some of them, if you're into that, you know, some of them are like based on mythology. And, and there's a reason for it. It's a universal yeah. language. Like yeah. it has its benefits. Yeah. But I think, I think people, for whatever reason, and I'm not quite sure what it is, people are now living in a situation where they don't feel like this idea of being green fingered or they know how to garden and oh, I can't, everything that I plant dies. Yeah. It's something, it's, oh, maybe it's garden centres, but going to somewhere and is this like commodity, like, well, I, or, yeah. or, or the human ego is just like, I like this plant, this is pretty, I'm going to put it in here and I'm going to keep it on life support and keep <laughs> it alive. And then eventually, you know, it die and it's probably in the wrong place and it doesn't really want to be there. And then people have this perception, well, everything I try dies. And it's, it's just what they've been given on this little selection in the garden centre or, but where's that intrinsic sort of relationship with yeah. the land? And that's, this, this is what kind of brings on to my most favourite topic that's, that's an interesting one to, to kind of talk about is, is that sacred connection with the land in a modern context, right? And, and um, how do we create that connection? Because there, there it is, right? You, you label things, you name things. It's very academic as we, you know, and, and very head stuff i'm interested so you you, you i'm not i've got to pick up on that you said about the sacred what when you say the word sacred what do you what do you mean by that well you know again steve and i are slightly different in what in our kind of terminology of that i come from that background of kind of like journeying in the spiritual stuff you know what i mean and, and background in english literature and philosophy and stuff like that the, those terms for me it comes from some kind of shamanic connection that's kind of lost these days right yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and Funnily enough, like again, I'll hark back to that Hampton Garden, but that there was a there was a kind of a, an underlying kind of terminology that we spoke about in the brief, which is about how do we reconnect with the land that we we are lucky enough to look after, and that stewarding and that supports, process and that supports us. Yeah, and big up Mary Reynolds, like, um, so who who kind of really inspired me to kind of journey with that more. Mm. She she was a great designer. She is a great designer, but she's over in Ireland now doing doing um, the Ark 
which is like kind of rewilding on larger scales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she did a Chelsea garden, and it was a, back in 2000, and, and it was like the first kind of wild garden that was oh, there. And the, bit and the, and the, the archway, the exactly. dry, yeah, 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 back in the day. And, and she wrote a book called The Garden in Awakening, which had this kind of context about that, and it's about mythology and about imagination and about sacred space and genus loki, loki and yeah, connecting yeah. with the land that's here authentically but with these imaginative processes and you know as i said i love mythology and i love fairies and elves and pixies and all this kind of stuff right but how do you put that in a modern context and at hampton we kind of spoke about that but we were working with japanese philosophy because yeah, yeah. in japanese philosophy there's kind of like architectural terms and and things like that, that are very much to do with sacred ways of principles, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And, oh, right, it's Japanese, so it's acceptable. But if you do it in uh, <laughs> uh, natively, it's just hippie, you know what I mean? It, it's yeah, banished. Yeah, yeah. Like, and the idea of how do we put that into a modern context in a way that feels relevant. And I think there is a growing audience that, that are on that wavelength that want to connect with the land in that way, yes. <clears throat> but don't have the words for it, you know what I mean? And, and um, and it's not about that hippie, hippie stuff. It's about doing it right, feeling, feeling authentic in the way you're doing it. But people like, people, people, it's just this labels, isn't it? You're a hippie and therefore that's in the vernacular. And so we don't take that seriously because it's a bit woo woo, but yeah. it's just, it, it's, it's. So it just depletes everything. It's just yeah. like, it just cuts everything off. So you, you, suddenly you're in this world where it's like, all right, well, if that's hippie and woo woo, then I ain't got nothing. So I'm just, I'm just kind of relating in this reality you know what I mean? and, and what is the bloody right who's who's got their who's saying what reality is you know what i mean and, and you know we have these kind of talks don't we about what is that what is reality in the like so so to link it sort of to, to what you guys are doing what your guys are doing at chelsea so that that re that deep visceral reconnection by you know the kid you know we've seen the hundreds of kids walking up to school this morning you know, the getting them to get that connection back to the land is that, I guess that's what you're, you're yes, saying. Yes, and it's, and it's exploring those processes of how we can do that more and more, right? So things that I'm interested in in that way is how do we create that true connection individually, first of all, with the land that we look after? And, 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 and that just, I guess, exploring the seasons, exploring the rhythms, letting things go, first and foremost, you know what I mean? Heart connection with that land in yeah. that way where you watch, observe, relate and and learn to t do things in a light touch we always talk about light touch approach but that light touch of what's the least i can do to let this land breathe and do its own thing and have those rhythms but it still be practical for purpose so it still can be something i can enjoy but biodiversity wildlife can enjoy you can see things roll i think that's a good starting point again mm. it kind of harks to that kind of Taoism and stuff like that where you see uh, nature change over time and you're with that rolling change rather than the staticness of, mm. of controlling the situation that's the fundamentals yeah, yeah but then it's like you know how do you develop that how do you resonate that with a modern context yeah um and how do you kind of you know how do you do that with a community and how how do you kind of let everybody have their own kind of relationships with the land in public space you know what i mean for me, things like spirit of place is super important. You know, it's about genius loki. We yeah. talk about spirit. When you go into a place and it's feeling the space, what creates that feeling? It's the intangible, isn't it? Like the intangible, how, how yeah. You walk into a woodland, you might feel protected, you might feel cocooned, you might feel scared. Yeah. What are these? Or you open, go into a meadow, you feel free, you can breathe, or you might feel really exposed. Like, you know, these are sort of hu the human experience, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Like an animal. Exactly. Um, yeah. 
Exactly. And, and, yeah. and it's that shame, you know, that's where it's all about the shamanicness of it all. Carl Jung, that kind of side of it, where it's like the archetypes. Yeah, so, so in that kind of the darker woodland, there'll be an archetype that represents that kind of feeling. Yeah, yeah. And, and a meadow, you know, the, the lightness of that, there'll be a certain kind of archetype or symbol that does that, right? And it's how do you kind of have your own personal relationship with those archetypes of spirit in mm. a place? And is there a way to actually design that? You know I mean, can you design with that kind of way of, way of being and way of thinking? Um, and, and obviously... The, and the plants that you would use and the, and the emotive response to... Somebody's emotive response to a dandelion. You're talking about woodlands, emotive response to uh, primrose or yeah. dogma. Uh, it's the way you layer it, the way you tear it. The, the use of plants, the use of the existing space, the use of the industrial character of an area or... And then linking that to weeds as well. What well, I mean? Sorry, weeds? There you go, I'm saying... Yeah, but you know, like all the, the urban ecology, let's say, you know what I mean? And, and there's so much there, and water and you know, all, all the different elements of it all as well. And, and do it, yeah, trying to create that kind of sense of the sacred in a modern way, you know? And, and, and that's a journey that's, as I say, like it, we, in the urban, especially, it's so multicultural, You've got everyone, everyone coming together with their own versions of what that sacredness looks like. Yeah, yeah. So again, it's kind of like designing this kind of feeling that takes into consideration everyone's own experience of what sacredness is. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. You know what? So this is this is great. I think it's now time. That, you know, we're getting into the getting into it now. Why don't we um, let's continue the podcast for part two? We'll um, we'll do it. At, uh, yeah. in the park yeah, yeah wicked cool a nice one guys yeah nice one layering of graffiti yeah. and the planting and the ecology re recolonizing this space i can just see those sangasorbias in the front in the front yeah. there as well yeah, yeah yeah um yeah and you think about the habitat layers and the and the the, the biodiversity that's in this space even in that wall you know yeah, I mean? like yeah. all the layers that are going on in there um was it fergus garrett who said that um term wild porosity could have been um, been. Uh, that he, he kind of works with that uh, great Dixter and, and we kind of take that into the urban context of this porosity that's in the in these kind of structures yeah yeah, yeah. and even though they're hard there's so many habitat layers on there you know so it's um, yeah. yeah it's just it's just a very good bones backdrop uh, to what we're doing and there's already like you say there's already a wild feel here that apparently back in the 90s they had um, uh, this was, like, was a conservation garden they got some funding from the lottery for you can see the kind of rot rotting should we have a look in yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of inspiration that's already there and it's just pulling out the best of it um, and working with these like innovative um, techniques that we've been talking about uh, and obviously with O'Donovan's Waste right next door the ability to bring the crush from there 
Um, and so there's this, this hyper, it's hyper local material as well. Hyper local material, hyper local community engagement. It's all very close. Yeah, um, yeah. We've got a lot of this open aspect, which is predominantly grass, grassy meadow. But this is this idea of keeping everything on site. We've got local waste literally next door, stripping out all of this topsoil then to be used in a food forest grading to the back. So then we can fill this full with more resilient substrate design. Yeah, yeah. Get all this in immersive meadow, have a lighter touch, maybe break out some of this, moving into there's going to be a reflection pool repurposed from the garden, okay. possibly mushroom den. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that really celebrating that urban growing, all that movement, so engaging a new audience. Yeah, yeah. So the big challenge for this will be it's more exciting than you know, even the, the, the might of sort of Chelsea and the grandeur of Chelsea is like, how do we legitimately create a space that's community led, that's a success and doesn't just get forgotten about like many of these community gardens do? Yeah, and I think that's what's so lovely about stuff like this. It's like this place has had many different lives, many different, it was repurposed as a pig pen. Drew, when was that? Uh, the war, during the war, and all the these war. little holes in here you can see here, those were the, the little foundation points for the pig pens to go in. It used to feed the local community during that time. Okay. And, and then, then after, and then after that, that, it, was a, it became a pocket park and there's like black and white pictures of the communities. There's like climbing frames in here. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's got all of this basically setting that, that kind of base, which is the concrete walls. Yeah, yeah. It can then be reimagined in loads and loads of different ways. Ultimately, with this kind of our vision, of this nature-centred community hub where people can grow their own food, get together, be on their own. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's, just, it's just kind of celebrating what's already happening here, but having our sort of sense of stewardship of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, that was, yeah, that was the other thing. Is that, like these community spaces, quite often it's budget-led. Yes, yeah, yeah. So quite often it's timber, it's painted timber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple years, yeah, it's yeah. fucked. Yeah. Whereas like, this is like the structural elements yeah, of this. There, that's, yeah, that's I mean, that, you know, the... the yeah, same old. Yeah. But this, you know, it's, it's there, it's permanent. And I think that we're celebrating a lot of this idea in our design for Chelsea in that a lot of the, the things we're designing are, are, are repurposed concrete, steel, mm. things that are just going to last for God knows how long. It's not, it's not just going to go into disrepair in a couple of years and then no one's interested, no yeah. one's engaged. It's just taking this inspiration from these sort of textures and tones and this structure. structure um, that's our vision for it. Nice. But yeah, so all this area, the open part of it, is going to really work well with that kind of crush aspect, right? And that'll create that really nice kind of... We'll keep all the pathways pretty much the same, and then we'll just have these nice, big, long kind of walkways through there, and we'll have some seating running through it, and then we can really go to town with the crush aspects and work out some mounding and so Technically speaking, you're, you're, you're putting back in elements of the garden rather than you're just taking the Chelsea garden and planting yeah. it. Here. Yeah, because it's much bigger this space yeah, so i really mean we're kind of defined by the perimeters of this space and we've got bigger ambitions for even like there's, there's bits down there the filter beds go on and the skate park arrived at one point like this yeah. is a much bigger area really you're going to use this as like a poster child to show what we've done yeah, yeah. center for mental health we're going to do an impact report on the before and after of like yeah, the, yeah. the local community's mental health for it we're going to do the same with an ecology report as well um what baseline surveys now and yeah yeah, yeah. And so then, essentially we create that blueprint of like affordability the impact on social community health, the impact to ecology. So then we can prove that evidence-based proof that this works for this money and we yeah. can roll that out many spaces like this nationwide. Another thing with this as well is that the big challenge here is antisocial behaviour um, and, and how we can design into that again. So it's that kind of 
we've had a few conversations about that here with, with certain people, certain stakeholders who are like, you want to put this lovely garden in here where there's all this antisocial yeah, behaviour? Yeah. It's like that whole chicken and egg thing where it's like, yeah, you kind of want to, and then it'll attract other people. And to be fair, like, we still want those people to come here as well because this is an important place for them. But that's, that's like a wider debate, isn't it? Like, yeah. Like the, the mentality of certain people, like there's antisocial behaviour. Yeah, okay, so where, what's underlying all that antisocial yeah, behaviour? Exactly. Mental health? 100%. And potentially, this, even as it stands, is probably one of the places they only, the only place they get their nature connection from right now yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. so it's it's still important that they come but it's just making sure that they can come and everybody else can come because at the moment there's certain, certain people come here after dark and it's just like off limits yeah so it's, it's like it's fenced off yeah it feels like it feels like you come in here you can't get out easy it's like all this kind of like it's like a pen yeah as we're talking about taking all that fencing down just letting this feel much freer much more open yeah people come in and out um, and again that's the kind of thing with that kind of design of, of planting you know with the crush and the the resilient meadow schemes and the food forestry is these proper thick layers yeah, yeah. and it can take a walk on and it could take a few people having to climb over stuff yeah. and someone graphing up one of these walls we like want them to continue that's, graphing that's, that's, them up that's the you point know? but it comes back to what you were saying earlier about you know kind of gardens being kind of elitist and people not feeling welcome yeah you know like I feel pretty welcome at certain places, but people may not want to go to a National Trust garden. People may not want to go to Chelsea. Yeah. You know, they're just like, well, yeah. that's just, that's it's not just me. That. It's not who I am. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Can I use this garden? You yeah. know, it's, uh, that's it. It's a big issue, really. Big time, big time. And it's, and it's, it's opening up that accessibility to everybody, isn't it? And, and finding that middle way, isn't it? Mm. So that everyone feels welcome in all these places together rather than it being a separatist thing, you know what I mean? That's the, yeah. That's the, that's the thing we face, isn't it, with public space at the moment, I think. But this is the, this is, again, okay, this is, I think this is the problem, because it's, it's hard to get that across to people, because if you're not part of that element of society that is demonised or is labelled, it's hard to get into that mindset. Do you know what I mean? Like, it is. Like, I, come, it, it feels, I come from Cambridge. Yeah. I know, I know exactly where I come from and the connotations around that. I don't feel excluded from a lot of places. But again, it comes back to inclusion. I mean, these are all buzzwords, but you know, again, why you've got that antisocial behaviour, why people might want to smash up a garden or do whatever, you know, because it's yeah. just like, well, that's nothing, this is nothing to do with me. Yeah. Yeah. And this, I think, and I think this is gets, getting to the wider point, or the wider point I keep coming back to in my head is like, the days of mass, no disrespect to Tom Stuart Smith, but the days of massive gardens at Chatsworth yeah. or these public realm projects that are public, but they're not, they're on private yeah. land. I don't know, that kind of leaves me personally, as, a, I mean, as an individual and as a design professional, it leaves me a bit cold. Yeah. Like, I, I, who are they appealing to? Yeah, I mean, I, I personally, my mum always takes the piss out of me for it. Like I, I, I just don't resonate with like these estates or these these national trust gardens. I just I've never had an intrinsic draw to them. I yeah. find I find I find it quite. It, there's, there's more exciting stuff happening now, and you do get this more naturalistic approach, which is interesting. You get to see all these, you know, really great designers and plants people having a go in these spots. 
and it's happening more and more. So a lot of this is bleaching, sort of leaching into all sorts of different, but I guess my background is really resonating with these spaces. Mm. And then the more I've thought about why I was engaged with horticulture and planting, I then start to think, well, how can we reimagine this? And like, this is accessible to everyone. It's on your doorstep. Yeah. And like, this is just here anyway. Um, there is something we always have this conflict about of like, we walk through here and you see a guy, you know, blazing up around the corner. Yeah. You, see, you see someone just, just hanging out in here. And then we're proposing this scheme where, you know, we're going to get more people in here and it's going to, and are you alienating the people who actually use it? And it's this conflict of like, is this just cool how it is? You know, what's, what's oh. our place of like trying to, I think that's what we're trying to be sensitive to. Like, there's a vibe in here that we don't want to get rid of. Yes. Um, that's part of the challenge as well. Well, that's that light touching design yeah. approach, isn't it? And I think that's, that's the thing. What you're talking about there with the estates and the, the higher level designers, mm. it's almost the conversation we've been having from day one. Who are we? What, <laughs> yeah. I don't feel like a garden designer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the connotations of what a garden designer is <laughs> in this day and age, it, it, it doesn't feel right. You know what I mean? Mm. In terms of like, it's almost a cliche of what a, a garden designer is these days, swanning in and like creating this thing and then just disappearing, disappearing, and it just being something that appeals to that eliteness, garden's and illustrated. the garden's illustrated world. And, and there's a dustiness associated with that as well. You know what I mean? There's a certain kind of a chino wearing kind of <laughs> landscape architect, architect wading through. And yeah. It's maybe not engaging the audience we want to reach out to as well. Mm. Those people we were talking about earlier who don't really know what it is that they're after or want that connection. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's that kind of thing of like we're saying with that light touchless approach that we're talking about to the point where it's almost like this is cooler than anything we could actually propose <laughs> it's almost like not being a designer at all is actually like the way forward and it's kind of understanding that that balance in it really and also i guess from our own experience and journeys with it we're able to show something more than what people have already got in their heads. So that's something we see, isn't it? And with another project we're working on at the moment, they've had an idea about breaking out the concrete and they've had an ecologist come along and say, oh, that's not very good for habitat. But in our experiences, we're saying, well, how, you know, where's that ecologist coming from, his background? Because yeah, there's a completely other thing going on. Yeah. So it's like, have you seen this project? Or have you seen that? And creating this kind of move board processes and things like that, that open up the idea. And maybe that, again, it's kind of directing it in a way that you open up an initial idea with that hub yeah. to create this kind of like, this joint collab. I think that's what I find most exciting of being a designer, I guess, if we're going to have that label, is that, yeah, you, you, you bring you're, all... You're uncomfortable with that label well, as well. I, I think I'm more comfortable with it than John. Like, it's like, I guess I've been through like this design training and like, I, I, I wrestled with it because I was an artist. And the big question is, what's the difference between art and design? Yeah. And like that, that, that that question always is like being a designer doesn't sound doesn't feel as cool to me <laughs> but, but, but like but the I can't involve, I'm all right with it now as I see exactly what you're talking about is I really get a kick out of because I'm really interested in this and you apply it to different any design right it's not just garden design but you get to show people all of the way you see things yeah, you get yeah, to yeah. show people all the stuff you're excited about and you go to these talks and you, you start seeing the world in a very different way and I get a real kick out of showing people how you can reinterpret a garden. Yeah, I could have yeah. been a designer in it. I could apply this to any sort of bunch of design. Yeah. Um, but I find it really exciting and certainly what my background was in and looking at these things critically and differently, observing spaces. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, that's why, I, and that's 
you know, I think we both get a kick yeah, out of like showing people this what, no the doubt, way we see it. You know, there's no doubt pa- like the passion. We're both very passionate people, and if you're able to express your passion and be like, okay, this is this is this, and, and you and bring people engaged, with, and you bring people with you, you bring people all together to do yeah, something yeah. really cool, and that that's at the heart. Of it. It's it's got to be hard, and it? it's just got to be hard and together, you know, community. Cool. So you, what you were saying as well about it's a, it's, a, it's a collaboration because I sometimes feel like we're kind of all working, can be working in isolation yeah. and we've only got so much energy and yeah. energy and knowledge base to get so, so yeah. fast. I yeah. think the real joy is working with other people, vibing off people's energy. No, definitely. What makes them tick? Yeah. Like That was a fundamental to us meeting. And that was certainly a journey I went on of like, I used to think, even when I finished, you know, and became a designer. Like, there's the ego that's like, and I, I used to kind of feel like uh, collaboration more meant like compromise, and like I had to compromise my ideas because someone else wanted to do something different. Yeah. Then I met John, and like this journey we've been on has been all about creating this collaborative team. And that I personally experienced, I'm sure John has as well. That like what we've done together is way beyond anything we'd have done individually, or even have the sort of the scope to see that because we've we've educated each other yeah, as well yeah. and this um, is like the support like the support yeah like the hand-holding the hand-holding emotional <laughs> yeah. support <laughs> yeah because it's bloody hard when you're on your own as a designer and we say this like and i you know we work with designers we've got world a lot as well it's that kind of thing of like lonely hearts like we you've yeah. got a lot of people just working on their own they've got no one to share the, the thoughts with and the, the kind of the whole process there isn't there is no process do you not think like there is no they're kind of working on their own they've got to get a design out to make any some sort of money there's no sort of like how's how's this design you know what could we do what couldn't we do could we turn that around at 45 degrees to open up the space yeah. and you're not and you're not attached to any yeah. ecologists or anything like yeah. that like yeah. just to give that little bit of extra input yeah. you know just That's to really re- take up that design you know bring other design up by 25 percent yeah definitely yeah. and also like that reason why we had the that we had that little launch recently and, and bringing that kind of collective together. Yeah. I think like a part of the whole rebranding we're trying to do as well is, is to get away from that idea of like the one, the designer being the one, do you know what I mean? And, yeah, and, yeah. and everything falls from that, yeah. you know what I mean? There is that kind of feeling, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And like the gardeners just being as important, you know what I mean? Or more important because yeah. they're the ones who've got that knowledge in the ground, the ecologists, the, the, the local community workers. All of that side of it is like super important. You know what I mean? Mm. Everyone's standing together, yeah. on the same level. Yeah, too right. <clears throat> That's what it should be about. You know what I mean? And then, and then you know, certain people do need to take lead in a certain way, where it's like to get the job done. There needs to be that different per- skill sets, isn't it? That's personality. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's personality type. Yeah. Some people are yeah, going to exactly. be like, sorry, can you take the lead? Because I'm yeah, a bit intro- exactly. bit of an introvert. But exactly. Yeah, yeah. But there's still, you know, it's still equal footing. You know what I mean? That introvert will be bringing something to the table that the extrovert can't. You know what I mean? And that's the yin and yang of it all, isn't it? It's that balance process. I'm thinking about James McGill at uh, John, uh, the, the old ecologist at John's place. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. He's not going to stand up in, in yeah. front of a hundred people, is <laughs> yeah. he? But, but he'll bring you that piece of wisdom that you do not know. You know what I mean? Yeah. He'll bring something to the table which you'll be like, oh my gosh, yeah. that has just changed my life. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that, that's, and that, that's what's that, that. That then spreads out and then people who are good at that can spread the word of it. Like it's just opening up for everyone to collaborate on different things, and that, that's that's what's super important. And the most exciting thing is then you just get loads of different heads working on different different projects. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Too right. 
So, so then, okay, so we're sort of standing here, Wild City, new, new brand. Like, where do you kind of see two, five, ten years down the line? Because this is the start of a other movement. Where do you, where do you kind of see this kind of going? That's, in, that's an interesting question, and, it, and it, um, I've always been. Let's Sorry say, to interrupt, because after about two seconds of reading the blurb, obviously there's a bit of a connection. Um, you, you know, because I know Alexis and all the yeah. rest of it. So there's a bit of a connection. But as soon as I read the blurb on the World City website, I was like, I need to just just need to be involved in this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just yeah. other people are thinking, are feeling like yeah. I do. I'm just. It's fine. I, I, I had a, I got a, a landscape architect just qualified call yesterday and say. I've been like got on the internet looking at places to join. I can't think see anything. It's all so corporate and dusty. He said, but then yes. I found you guys, and we're about our point of view. We're quite you know it's quite small and like humble what we're doing, but then we're being found like in this kind of way, and it, and it resonating with this new crowd. It's like I really want to be a part of this, and it's like that's wicked, and and that's what we kind of set out to do. And, it, and as far as where we were like. When we first met, we we had this longer vision of where we want to take this thing, and again, this is our side of things. Everyone's got their own side of a movement together, but you know we do have this quite fun kind of balance of me being a bit of a driver with it and a bit of a kind of the, the visionary, let's say, of like <laughs> I do see these bigger visions of where this could go, and Steve brings his more maybe introvertness of, of the kind of the details and, and how do we actually get that done yeah yeah so there's a nice balance it's of that the, isn't yeah it? it's, the, it's the optimism and realism and yeah, i yeah. think i described to you earlier like the optimist and the pessimist and the, each one is the yin yang thing yeah. each one brings keep, the other one real. down yeah exactly <laughs> he, he, he does you know but i also get it past the next level I, I take it it doesn't just have to be there we can take it there yeah and so from my point of view like what we've kind of gone with this is like the bigger picture is future cities, you know what I mean? And what does future cities look like in the real? Yeah, yeah. Not just this whole thing of glass and and um, uh, and, and big kind of planting schemes and green walls and that's, you know, how do we actually create something, our version of that as a part of the pie of like, of how you you have connection with the earth, like we talked about, the sacredness yeah, of it, yeah. the hands in the mud. And in, create... the, and in the existing city. In the existing like, like city. It's, it's very, it's, you know, not easy, but it's an easy sort of. You can imagine these future cities that are, you know, have all, but they, they don't exist yet. There's these existing cities and frameworks that have a beauty to them and a, and a rich heritage. That I don't think it, I think it's a shame to ignore that. That's that's a massive part of our history, and we just need to realign a bit. Um, and that that creates the most exciting results. I think. I think it's like, what, how can we look at cities as, as this canvas? Yeah. Rather than like, oh, it's all grey and boring. Like, well, it's just it's a, you know, a canvas is boring unless there's something in front of it or on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but for us, Wild City is about that. It's public space and it's residential. So it's that kind of thing of like larger scale stuff. How does it actually work authentically? How do you create authentic nature connection in urban environments? What are the tools you're using to create that? How are you going to look after it in the long term? You know what yeah, I mean? yeah. And, and as this thing grows, it's about taking on projects like this as kind of ideas and experiments in that so i wanted because i wanted to ask i mean do you guys get more actually more turned on by for want of a better phrase public realm so you can impact yeah, yeah. more i think the thing for me yeah. as a designer probably before i got met john or just on the journey with john is 
I was as a garden designer, you, you're really only limited to people who have the money to go through a, certainly a design process with a designer, never mind the, 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 the actual cost to install it. Yeah. And I was at this conflict where I was really on this ecological mission and like I wanted to give people this nature connection. So but the only people I'm doing this for are people with massive money. And you're only kind of impacting and that's the just, couple? Just them. Or the fact of the, them. Yeah. So it seemed to me, like when I finished my design course, public space was what I wanted to do because yeah. it meant everyone could enjoy it. Um, that was before I met John. I, I knew like public spaces, and I, I was inspired by more landscape architecture. It seemed like that was much more forward thinking yes. than garden design. Even the visuals, you know, that, that's what, that was my thing. I, yeah. I, I taught myself Photoshop, the visuals, the, the engaging people with those visuals. Yes. Landscape architecture, architecture was much more ahead of the game than you'll things yeah. do in pencil crayon and still doing things by hand. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like that, that, that to me was easily where I wanted to go and then yeah met John and this public space was like this is how you make the biggest impact and make yeah. the biggest change to people who haven't got the money to do it yeah, don't so have the access somehow. to it can't go out to nature yeah. no, they're, they're stuck here but it's the know. real it's the real challenge both getting the money to do the projects and also us making ends meet you know what I mean because the domestic is where you can make your money yeah and it's almost like that like you say, you're doing, you're, you're, you're making lovely gardens for lovely people, and that's great. But the real challenge we face is to try and create like bigger change now, and and to, to make it really happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that and and so that's where we're at. I we're think we're emer we're emerging. This. We're emerging into this. We've been on this 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 journey with it, and like, I guess we are still figuring out what what this fully looks like. But like the the focus <laughs> is you know genuine nature connection in the urban landscape how 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 possible is that and how do we engage people to see things you know the way we are the way other people are seeing it? how do we engage a community and how do we make it low maintenance how do we make it affordable how do we design the aftercare how do we create sacred connection with land in the urban environment like big challenge questions but what does it look like when you were just saying that thinking back to the Beth Chatter Symposium about public, prescri uh, public prescribing and how, how these things have to knit together. So, yeah, let, we don't know what it, you know, n you know, sacred nature connection in cities looks like at the moment, but again, we can take, you know, the NHS and what that might look like and getting people that, with mental health conditions going through the sort of, um, how can I put this, going through the, the hospital system and getting them out in that community and yeah. getting them into these gardens that you guys will be doing and other people will be, will be doing. You know, it's it's a new, it's a new frontier basically, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And that's it, it's that, it's that kind of thing of just everyone having a go, isn't it? And yeah. somehow it will unfold. And, it, and, that, and that's the good thing about urban world is that it has always been that way. Mm. It? Things have always can, kind of been happening at the same time and built something more diverse than any one person could have a vision of. That sort of thing. When you see visions of future cities, what they look like yeah. is this kind of like some kind of Star Wars type setting of a city. You know, what I mean, all yeah. clean and but no, it's, the reality of it is it will just be a layered kind of tapestry, like a planting community. Yeah, exactly yeah. like this is, you know. Yeah, like, you know, no one planned for this to have this kind of life, but it evolves. Mm. That, landscapes don't gives, stay static. That's the whole exactly, point. Exactly, that's what it? gives it soul. Isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and depth. Mm. And, and groundedness and, and yes there'll be a place for the green walls and the kind of the green washing kind of 
moments, you know what I mean? But then there's yeah. also like the back street. <laughs> how, do you yeah. work, how do you work out the bit that's next to the council estate that they haven't got no money for and they need something that really is important to them? I'm more excited by that. That's, that's, that's every the time real I, fun. Yeah, because every time I see a green wall, I'm like, yeah, it's lovely, but what's behind the green wall? Yeah. Dirty, so great big black plastic and just... <laughs> And also, you know, that's already being done and that's fine, you know what I mean? There's a lot of people who can take care of that now, you know what I mean? And yeah. But there's this other side of it that I think we're all a part of, isn't it? This kind of, this wavelength we've spoken about who are interested in that, the innovations that can make it, all those things we said, mm. you know what I mean? Like, and, and how it can cut, the, there's all that, the, the wealthy points in the city and all that, you know, they're already taken care of. Yeah, we've yeah. got the designers who can do that. But then you've got all this landscape around here that's yeah. just, what, turf or... Do you know what I mean, how yeah. do we make that engaging for the people that really need a bit of connection? And I think that kind of the vibe of, you know, although it's, although it's definitely matured since then, the kind of vibe of guerrilla gardening where the kind of people are just, I mean, I see it, I see it on Instagram all the time. And I, and I don't, I am in my own bit of echo chamber, but it's happening, you know, that people are just fed up of being surrounded by poor green spaces and they're just doing it. You know, they're getting out there, they are, you know, they're planting up a border which would have five landscaping shrubs. They're ripping that out and they're putting in, you know, meadows. They're putting in, you know, more diverse planting schemes. People are just, there is a, there is that hunger. And, and I think that's the way it has to be moving forward is the community volunteering. Like, it's, it's going to be a major part of it, right? Because like how do you keep them engaged? Not just for tomorrow. So with the, yeah. the Gorilla Garden is a perfect example, right? can throw some seeds down you can get a good vibe hey i've done it then you you fucked off and you're, yeah. you're never coming back to see it yeah and then and it's gonna look completely shit and and so it's how can you get that gorilla gardening revolution yeah, yeah. into something that actually makes it an impact yeah, properly, yeah you know what i mean how do you because again it's it's this classic thing about funding mechanisms isn't it so yeah funding mechanisms to pay for pay for somebody to oversee it well, again like we spoke about that thing with the like what is the designer's role yeah and i guess that is it right it's to be able to to design it in that way that things like guerrilla gardening and community volunteering can work long term mm. yeah. it's the way it's designed i guess that what we were saying before you know the the lower budgets the material choices that mm. that ultimately leads to it sort of going down the pan a little yeah. bit as designers, can we think of new ways to do that so th things have a sense of permanence? Some things have the sense of permanence, some yeah. things have this sense of transience. Mm. Um, there's also the collaboration, I guess this is this is where we're working with think people like Project Giving Back, you know, they've, the, the, the collaboration is these people with money yeah, are yeah. funding all of this stuff, so it's like that's, that's a part of the collaboration as well, people who have that ability to then believe in the vision as well. And then, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it, and I guess that's us as designers, there's linchpin, mm. the people who can show the vision, yeah, describe yeah. the vision, engage people, uh, and then the rest is like an orbit, I guess, around that. And there is um, definitely like, you know, a lot of brands and things like that who have that kind of corporate social responsibilities. We have people shouting us out saying, we've got 10 grand we want to put into a garden. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, there is more and more of that happening. And again, raising, like fundraising, you know, we're working with uh, East London, uh, Thames Waterworks, right? Like the way they've raised the money to buy the land for that is amazing. You know I mean, and there's, there's more opportunities that happening. And again, that's a part of the collab as well. Like mm. Fundraisers, like people who can bring the money in to make these things a reality. 
Yeah, and people do, and people are actually creating the app, writing the application forms yeah. and the terminology. That's you a need. skill. That's a massive oh. skill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, yeah, so getting the, getting the funding and then using that funding well, that's a whole design process, isn't it? It's the long term. That's everything for the public. It's long term establishment, long term success. See, yeah. like, quite often in Bristol, you know, there's little community projects and yeah. they just sort of dissipate. The, the community's engaged for the day. Yeah, it's yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And it just doesn't have the long term effect. And I think there's lots so of how reasons can we break for that. The, so then, how can we break that cycle? How do you. How... There's a certain need for a resilience in the design that, like we were talking about. So if you, if you, if you create the bones to hold the space, yes. then, then the planting can just become itself you know what i mean like you, you you set the scene yeah and then what you want is the resilience to do its own thing so and, it, and that takes change of perspective because if you can engage engage people to say don't worry if it's looking wilder and wilder yeah. like we talked about earlier it doesn't need to look aesthetically pleasing like all year round uh, you know like with the with the uh done its approach of like making sure there's three colors popping at the same yeah, time yeah, yeah. Year, so people are always looking at it if people look at a space and think, all right, the bones are all strong and they're held together, the planting's just doing its thing, then there can be times where it just leans off, you know, like, and there's not that much engagement from people, but the skin's still, still there, and potentially and through that, there's a succession of its own. Yeah, and there's a perception as well, the perception of what's happening there, you know, it's a simplistic way of looking at something where it's like, it doesn't look pretty now, yeah, yeah. what does that mean? Yeah, and yeah. that's the legibility of the design, where you can have that juxtaposition of it looking wild and messy and yeah, it might, might look a bit crap in your garden if it was like that, but yeah. if, it, if things are designed sensitively with the other stuff, there's a beauty to that. I think that's, that's a fundamental for us. It's like this change of perception of what's, what's beautiful. If you understand what's going on there, mm. that is, it's way deeper than something just being very pretty on, on that day. So, and then I guess from technically speaking, again, if you're working with more mineral soil substrates, then sort of the growth rate is naturally slower. So again, substrate, it's, substrate design is everything. Yeah, yeah and it makes it mature slowly rather than like, let's put loads of fertility into the soil yeah. and then- You get and more go. going on in it, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. more and, diversity and, in it. Exactly, and all the wildlife layers in, in, included. And, and eventually that might, you know, grow into something that is more, you know, the fertility will probably rise and depending on the site, you know, it's, yeah. but, but, but that, I mean, that's what things we... change, things move, things, things evolve, and stewarding that, editing that, that's quite exciting, for, I think, for a community. If people understand what's happening. Yeah, that's yeah, why yeah. I've always been inspired by motorway projects, you know yeah. I mean? because they're things that do their own thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That's, you know, the, the ultimate, I think, for us would be to be in a situation where we've designed a, a, a landscape that's practical for purpose, and the rest of it's just doing what motorway virgins do. <laughs> yeah. And then the community can just kind of come and do a little bit and bob here and there, and they don't have to feel like they have to do the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a difference with that. As There's well, a real, like, I mean, just this, there is this, kind of this re natural relaxation and kind of what is what is perceived as a garden. You know, exactly. that kind of. I'm all, I'm I'm laughing because I'm always looking at white verges. I'm loving it because yeah. you know you get your north your south aspect. Exactly. And I was uh, in Suffolk this week and on the row verges is basically not sand but really free draining. Yeah. There's all these verbascums, yeah. you know, the rosettes, the yeah. verbascums on the side. I was loving it. And, it. and it is that, yeah, it's, it's recalibrating what we, yeah, what we see as a garden. Exactly. And that, like we were saying at the beginning, there's different 
context for different things. So this won't work everywhere. You know what I mean? That idea. I wanted to, though. I just, yeah. well, I just, and there's <laughs> enough space for it. The thing I mean? is, yeah. the way it looks, though, like the, the principles are the same and they can be put in any different context. And that, you know, this, this, this space is, is this. So it totally suits this. Because I guess, in a way, you know, you talk about the legibility of a design. If, even if you go back 20, 30 years where uh, Peter Aldorf was using the big. Um, you know, uh, U columns, which stood, you yeah. know, stood throughout the year to give the fluff and, That's you know... That's exactly the, it. Tom Schritt-Smith does it. It's like the, the, the permanence yeah, yeah. Of, the, of the box ball or the, the taxis yeah, yeah. or a boulder. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're all the same, using the same design technique that, you know, it's, it's a plant, but that throughout the seasons in winter, all of the rest of the perennials die back, but that has that yeah, structural yeah. volume to it. Um, but then this is this is the this vibe. Is, this is the yeah this, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the thing we we I mean we often put bold up. I often if I can I'm putting a boulder in a garden design. Yeah. yeah. But you know we're in the urban so like here's the boulders here. The, the waste facility next door is full of boulders. Yeah. yeah. All concrete ones. So it's it's like this just this change of perception of of like everything you know all of this is natural. You know the, these terms as well we get bogged down in these terms of. We suddenly we're talking about nature and we're saying we are nature like the terminology doesn't exist to describe this um, <laughs> that's well. the problem it's humans trying to describe the indescribable we're trying to use yeah. words to describe something deeply more emotional and beyond words really I think definitely yeah and it's that, that thing of like the humanness needs to happen though doesn't it you know what I mean that, that quality of what what do we like to do? We like to create. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. We need to imprint on the land. There's a certain kind of desire to do that, right? Yeah, yeah. It's how can we do that well in the, in line with 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 ecology? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it, and we and you know historically but, we haven't. But the, but, but and this is the thing. It's going hand in hand. Like this is the biodiversity podcast, but we haven't really talked about. It's all good. We haven't really talked about biodiversity, yeah. but inherent in this movement is. Well, it's front and centre, biodiversity. 100%. The, the, the sheer abundance of different things, how our people might view those different things and how that affects their, their emotional state and how they feel in a space. Yeah. You know, it feels a deeper yeah. space. It's not just 400 landscaping shrubs exactly. and, and Amelanchia or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that's the kind of thing we were talking about with this idea of uh, real impact on mental health in a space like this. And what does it take to make you actually feel good? Or feel, it's not even good, is it? It's just feel, you know, mm. I mean? feel connected to, to a space. And it's things like that. It's like, you don't necessarily see that it's full of biodiversity, but you mm. unconsciously know yeah, it's there. Yeah. Well, I, think, yes. I mean, that's the difference, isn't it? You know what I mean? That's the engagement with people as well. As like, we talk a lot about greening things up, ecology and like nature making things nature-centred but if we're not in the picture hmm. as well yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's all for nothing really because and then it's engaging people in that and I think the mental health aspect you can argue you know many people argue about ecology what's good for it what's bad for it what what's going on in the in the rest of the world but the thing I think you can't argue and people really resonate with is the fact that that's a massive effect on your mental health and and that that just as a as a something to engage people with is is more is more tangible for them than saying well this is great for bees or this is great for birds that's great that's vital yeah, yeah. But it's, it's a selfish humans we are quite a lot of the time if we see how it impacts us and our life 
and yeah. how it will have a benefit to us, then that massively like engages people straight away. Yeah, yeah. And they're educating people on what that's about. Um, it's fully moved on from like smelling a bit of lavender in a sensory garden, isn't it? And it's how deep <laughs> we take it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. How how deep are we go in here? Um, but you know, I think I think George Monbiot said uh, something about uh, ecological boredom yeah, in, yeah, in the yeah, urban yeah. landscape, and that's 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 it, isn't it? It's, it's about that depth of ecology in our lives in the urban environment. So first, so there's two sides of that. There's first of all to show people that it actually is pretty diverse and there's actually things thriving all around us in the pockets and the gaps there's a lot of urban ecology look around us now you know what i mean yeah, yeah. It's, it's dense with it so pe people being aware that that's already there and then that light touch approach can come come along from that and it, and and you know as you were talking earlier before you talked about uh, george um, george Monbiot about rewilding and how uh i just see more and more and more that when people talk about rewilding it takes about two seconds to say, somebody says, oh yeah, we're, it's about rewilding ourselves, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of, we become that, we, we become that detached. But I think the rewilding movement so has, opened, has opened people up more to the less manicured. It's kind of, again, this is kind of this, this like the continuum of, you know, manicured to naturalistic to yeah, now let's go a bit let's go really yeah. really wild you know and that's and that's and that's all good yeah that's cool yeah that's it it's how far you can take it, isn't it? it's kind of like that like you say how far are you willing to rewild yourself how far are you willing to relay reland rewild the land around you, you know I mean? yeah big time that kind of thing was that another one that we love using is that um healing of the land healing of the human spirit is the same process yeah too that's right. all we're going on isn't it it's, yeah. it's that journey together which i think comes back Thing comes back to the mental health you know like a lot of mental health around mental health issues around it and we can't really a lot of people that can't under can't describe why they aren't feeling great or they are feeling down or they can't articulate why they're just a little bit depressed and a little bit like oh my god i'm a bit anxious you know and i and i think it's um it's modern life and it's, it's just, just a, a great deep, a deeper connection that we really just don't live how we're built to no there we go so, that's so, moving so it on we, we we live in just very sterile quite often solitary existences um not really getting outside in offices or at home even more so everyone's working from home you're not even going out to an office now yeah um that can't not have an impact on your well-being like and what we've come from and how we're supposed to be physical all the time and, yeah, yeah but that that relates you know, to like what's happening right now which is that deep hunger to yeah. connect like that's that's the response isn't it to where we're at yeah. and you can see that everywhere and that's where we're talking about that thing of like people bypassing horticulture to get into that nature connection yeah yeah and it's everywhere isn't it everywhere is about that now and it's just about designing that together a new way isn't it yeah lads then i think uh we could talk the back legs of a donkey, but I think we've. Uh, I think we should wrap it up there. Yeah, nice hey, one. Wicked. Thank Ollie. you so much, mate. Wicked. Nice one. Wicked. <laughs>